Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two-Headed Game Master. I'm Cosmo, the first head. I'm Dane, the seize him head. <laughs> Call back. Two-Headed Game Master is a podcast about writing, designing, running, and playing role-playing games where we discuss our favorite hobby, share our thoughts with you, and play some games sometimes. Dane, what are we talking about today? Well, we're hot off our cyborg um, adventure. It says one shot here on the sheet, but that's not true because... Well, I guess it technically is true. We did it in one city. Yes. We but turned it into a couple episodes. For it was a long session. It was a good five, mm-hmm. six hour session, which I love. Anyways. It also we're hotter we're hotter off of it than you may know, because usually we record in chunks and sometimes weeks and weeks apart. But we recorded the adventure on Saturday mm, and yes. we're recording this on a Wednesday. So pretty close. And we don't often do that. Sometimes there's a long time in between our recordings. So we're we're kinda hot on Cyborg and we got a lot of we got a lot to say about uh Cyborg. Um we hope you enjoyed that first session. We hope you enjoy the following adventure bonuses to come. And we're gonna talk about the system tonight. So so we're doing a review, right? So just like our review of Forbidden Lands, uh we're gonna open this up with a little uh, it's tough to review and critique mm-hmm. tabletop role-playing games. Everything about this is taste. It's it's taste and preference. There are some things we can objectively say, and we're going to, like the mechanics of the game. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about our experience. Right. So, like, we're not going to come out with a, you know, a rating... Like, oh, 69%. Uh, nice, we should nice, rate nice, all nice, our reviews. Nice. Yeah, 69%. 69 out of 100. Uh, yeah. Yes. So we're just, uh, we're going to share our experience, right? Yeah. Um, it says here, the quality is undeniably high. We are sharing experience and impressions. It says that because we copied and pasted the template of our review from the last one. This one is also an undeniably high quality RPG. Maybe someday we'll review one that's not. Not. And we'll have to change that. Could be. But for now, this format uh, holds. Right. Because we're not, we're not going out there and like some guy at the wizard's chest is like, hey, try out. Uh, my new RPG is called Afterlife. We're not mm. doing that. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are buying uh, you know, well-established and uh, popular uh, role-playing games. Yep. Right. So, anyways, uh, we're going to start off with a quick, a quick setting primer to mm-hmm. Cyborg, in case you're unfamiliar. Yep. Uh, we're going to talk about just, like, the base mechanics that Cyborg offers, and then its unique selling points. And we'll wrap up with just overall impressions. Mm-hmm. Of things the with the things that we want to discuss, uh, stuff that we you know had. Um, and if you listen to the Forbidden Lands review, a lot of this stuff is going to sound almost like direct counterpoints to that because we've only reviewed one other game, and we like we said we kept this outline. So mm-hmm. we're going to be hitting a lot of the same things, but talking about how they apply to this game versus Forbidden Lands because they're different. So. You want to kick off? You want to tell about the setting? You ran it. So okay. You know a little more about the city called Psy. The city of the Psy. Yes. Hmm. So, Cyborg, I guess, we can start at the beginning. Um, Morkborg is what it came from, which is, a, you know, like Doom Metal's fantasy RPG with the same sort of kind of lighter mechanics. I never played Morkborg, but I think the book looks awesome. And the book for Cyborg also looks really fucking cool. And it brings you into the city of the Psy, which is, like a lot of cyberpunk settings, a great big mega city with, you know, a lot of late-stage capitalism, corporate dystopia stuff, just kind of as set dressing everywhere. And a lot of bad weather and a lot of bad stuff going on. And you play as punks in this dangerous, ugly city doing odd jobs and mercenary work and trying to get by 
because you know you're all in debt and everything's terrible and there's you know there's there's the corporate overlords everywhere there's the you know the city government which is you know brutal and authoritarian and there's cults there's a crater somewhere in the middle of the city where an alien asteroid struck and there's like a you know this weird nano infection so the setting is almost like just the vibe it's it's not super specific. There is there is a little map of the city with general descriptions of like, you know, the rich hill area or the slums or the factory district or the ports. But those are really just uh they're really just jumping off points and the setting is just the vibe of corporate dystopia and like technology gone crazy. That's the setting. Um, right. And anti-establishment. Yeah. Right? And, and the vibe of like yeah. being punk, of being like, you know, you're going to work for bad people. You're going to work for like rich and powerful entities, but you can never be a part of them. You're like you're always, yeah, you're always like a downtrodden, Miscreen. you know, yeah, regular person trying to get by in a hard world. That's the, that's the premise of the game. That's one of the like cornerstones of the setting. And it brings in a lot of inspiration from other media. There's a lot of just basic cyberpunk 2020 or 77, whichever you're most familiar with. Whoopsie. And Blade Runner and Blade Runner, Robocop yeah. and Judge Dredd. Yeah, the kind of classic, you know, tech dystopias. But then there's also um, like Akira, because the, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, supernatural stuff going on and a. a undercurrent of like cosmic horror because you know what's real when technology is overrun life this much it kind of it gets a little fuzzy c.s lewis quote or whatever that guy whoever said that thing about science and magic i don't think it was c.s lewis but because he wasn't a sci-fi guy but maybe i don't know man Anyway, Arthur yeah. C. Clarke. That's that's the set. I don't know. The setting is big, scary city. Um, you know, evil corporate overlords, rainy, bad weather, and scary tech everywhere. Tech in everybody's body. Tech dominating your life, and you know, you use it. It's well, we'll get more into like what we liked and what we didn't like later. But it's. Um, well, I think that's good, right? Yeah. You know, dystopian cyberpunk, corporate overlords, weird alien shit, uh, real emphasis on, like, what is real. Mm -hmm. Like, is any of this real? I don't know. Doesn't matter, because you're in fucking debt. So you got to go, like, shoot some, you know, corporate soldiers. Let's talk about the basic mechanics then, right? You know? Um, So, I really liked the, the setup for like getting going uh there's a nice little flow chart yeah um so the book comes with uh six i believe mm-hmm. classes um that you can choose from or you know roll a d6 for yep. of course you're more than welcome to make up your own um so the classes are just kind of a template for uh how you roll for your abilities um and like your starting gear mm-hmm. and like you know that kind of stuff some starting um, powers. Mm-hmm. And the way it's set up with the basic mechanics, there are the six classes, and then there's, um, what is it, an unclassed punk or whatever? Well, yeah, it just uh, you make your own kind of, yeah. you know, pizza-style thing. So there's, yeah, um, there's the two ways to do it. Both of them you randomly generate, or you can pick and choose. Yeah. Um, but the, the classes will give you some stuff that you can't get from the build-your-own, but the build-your-own lets you, you know, not be limited by the class mm. um, restrictions because some of the class restrictions will make it so, like, you are always bad at a certain thing. Right, like, you have low intelligence because yeah. this class, you roll this many dice and subtract this number. Right? And you could be like, so, well, I want to be a beefcake, mm. but I don't want to be a stupid beefcake. Then you make your own. You make your own classless right. punk and build them the way you, you want You roll it. Your, for your own abilities. There are um, five. Five, yep. Right, you know, uh, should have brought the book in. Yeah. Um, toughness. Presence. Presence. Agility. Agility. Strength. Strength. And... Intelligence. 
I, we said that. No, I said toughness. Toughness. Well, I guess that's just willpower. That's, willpower. Yeah. I'm gonna go. Get look the at book. the book. You know what? Um, anyway, yeah. So you you choose your class or you build your guy. You roll for your five abilities, and these are gonna give you slight plus or minus. Um, Slight positive or negative bonuses to your standard D20 dice rolls. Uh, yes. So it's really simple. It's not like, oh, you have, uh, you know, 17 in strength, which means you get a plus three. It's just you get a plus one or a two mm-hmm. or a zero or a negative. Uh, very small, very simple. Yeah. I think the most you can ever have is plus three in a mm-hmm. next one. There we go. Agility, knowledge, presence, strength, and toughness. We were very close. Yeah, there was no intelligence, though. No intelligence. It's knowledge. It's knowledge. Yeah. And there's no willpower. It is toughness. Yep. I was right about the toughness. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Anyways, so, um, yes, you have, you know, your five abilities, um, and everything is run on a d20 mm-hmm. um, with modifiers, right? You know, if you have a plus one in an ability that adds one to your d20 roll. Um, so the, I think I just talked about the difficulty system because okay. yeah, yeah. Um, we're talking about rolling. So I thought it was really cool that everything um, just has one difficulty number. There's no like, mm-hmm. oh, well, what's like the, the enemy's stats? Yeah, what's uh, armor those class? Those don't matter. Um, if... Uh, well, I mean, you ran it, so why yeah. don't you talk about it? It's well, it's a it's a design philosophy that I really really like, and it makes it very fun to be the game master because everything is difficulty twelve. So players can have anywhere from negative three to plus three on their dice roll, and you're just always aiming for twelve. That's a success, um, which makes it so that the uh, the monsters and the bad guys there is a little like monster manual section they're really simple they just have damage and a morale stat which and the interesting thing about this is enemies don't roll for attack Mm -hmm. that's another part of the basic um difficulty 12 thing is when i attack as the game master oh the gangoons they're shooting at you roll agility you're still rolling target 12 to not get hit as a game master, you don't roll hardly anything, and it's always players being active. So that's a cool little design thing. You'll have your stats. I'll say, here's a bad guy. Uh, it's your turn. You make an attack against him. Okay, we resolved that attack. It's their turn. Roll to dodge their attack. You roll. It's right. always players, players are always players always be rolling. And that's a that's a cool design philosophy. So is the base. Um, difficulty because it means every mechanic in the game is designed around that one number. It reduces the mm-hmm. amount of game mastering you have to do, right. and then and you, you just focus on flavor and storytelling. Six different charts for making a difficulty. It's, mm-hmm. it's simple. There's um, also um, a couple magic systems yes. built into the basic mechanics. There's there's also weapons and armor basic stuff that you would expect, but um, right. but you know what you know a, a yeah. gun shoots and gun shoots and has roll a damage, damage dice. Uh, it's yeah. But there's uh, apps and nanopowers and cybertech, which are all three. So it's three kind of distinct. You know, we call them magic systems the way we talk about magic in this yeah. on this podcast. The way two HGM talks about magic, they their magic systems are you know special powers. Some might say. Mm-hmm. So the apps you have some sort of deck. Everyone has a basic, um, just like tech interface mm-hmm. uh, mod like attached telephone, to their brain. Telephone, their you know GPS mm-hmm. waypoint thing. But you can get bigger ones, better ones, and you can slot more powers into them. And the apps directly interface with other technology. You can hack turrets or shut things off or you know confuse other characters who have their own implants, stuff like that. Um, then there's also nanopowers. Yes, and so nanopowers are like technology that came from the the, the space meteor, meteor. Mm-hmm. Um, and they 
can do a lot of weird shit. Mm-hmm. Um, they're more mat like traditionally magic, right? You know, like the apps are kind of grounded in science, and it's like, ooh, it's mm-hmm. through a network and whatever. But like, um, well, for example, Enzo's character, his nano power was like a cloud of impenetrable darkness. Mm-hmm. And it was annoying. <laughs> uh, well, it was annoying because when he first popped it, he yeah. wasn't totally sure what it did. Yeah. And he was just like, oh, I'm scared. And just like a squid inking somebody. Yeah. He just blorped it all over the battlefield. And, and then we had to deal with it, mm. which is fun. Um, and then there's Cybertech, which is, I think, kind of the main power fantasy of a lot of cyberpunk media is you get to modify your mm. body yeah. with, you know... Um, jump legs, yeah, or, augmentic you know, things that make you better. Somehow. Smart hair. I mean, that one's that one's definitely uh, Kai's definitely going to pick that up. Smart if we hair. Ever, if mm-hmm. we ever uh, do another, yeah. <laughs> so those are cool. Um, and then there's there's one more kind of basic mechanic. Uh, so like you know, let's do a combat. Right? Yeah, you know, explain combat, right? So like we said, um, it's the player's role mm-hmm. for. They roll to attack, and they also roll to avoid being attacked. Um, and then I guess the sixth stat point or stat is like health points, mm-hmm. right? Which is uh, determined by your toughness, mm-hmm. and you know by some other stuff. You can you can like cyber tech up for more, right. or you can take drugs and mm-hmm. have more for a little while. Right. So like any tabletop role playing game, you use your abilities and equipment to interact or like do a combat. So you roll, you attack, you do damage, the enemies attack, you roll to avoid it, you know, they do damage or they miss, you know, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after the combat, there's this mechanic called catch your breath, which is like, uh, you know, it's very video game-ish mm-hmm. where like as soon as the combat's over, the heroes like <gasps> catch their breath yeah. and then like get and- some healing once you're out of combat, you know, your health bar starts crawling back up to full and you get... So, yeah, at the at the end of a combat, and it makes it kind of interesting. It's like the rest mechanics in D&D, but it's more cinematic than that mm-hmm. versus, you know, D&D, it's about managing time and resources and, like, I'm out of slots or I'm running low on health points. And this right. is how much energy, this is how much resources I have to dungeon for a day. Mm-hmm. And... That's a real sort of like time. Uh, it's real time management in the video er, in the in the pen and paper. Yeah, this is more cinematic. Where like you catch your breath, maybe you got down to almost no hit points. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you're actually almost dead. It just means you almost died in the in drama. Yeah, and so when you catch your breath, you roll to regain some hit points, and you roll to see like if your magazine mm-hmm. was empty. And at the and then you like change magazines. Maybe your you know, maybe your weapons out, but you don't find that out until after the encounter. Right. When you roll for it. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. And so then you know you can get right back into the next encounter. You don't have to you know the the micromanaging of your um, like abilities as resources like in D anD. You just get right back into it. You catch yeah. your breath, and you go into the next room and fight some more bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's one more kind of basic mechanic that we kind of skipped over when we were talking about classes and abilities, and that's glitches. That is true. Um, glitches are, uh, we talk about it quite often, um, Torque. Mm-hmm. The first thing we ever played, and a weird, cool system. Uh, glitches are like possibilities in Torque, where... Uh, you start with a number of glitches, um, and then they're like your your uh, whoopsies, your redos, yeah. right? So if uh, another uh, maybe more familiar is like inspiration in D and D, but it doesn't behave quite like yeah. that because it's more varied. Um, so you can at any time spend a glitch to deal max damage, re-roll a dice. Lower the damage taken by D6. So say you do get hit, you mm-hmm. know. Well, you can throw a D6 and reduce the damage incoming. Neutralize a crit fail. No, a critical hit or a critical fumble. Um, or lower the difficulty by four. 
before you roll it. You can be like, mm, I want this thing to be easier. I'm going to really prep for it. Mm-hmm. I'm spending a glitch. Now, instead of a 12, it's down to an 8. And you can spend those at any time, and uh, as the as encounters end and you go on, you roll to gain them back. And I like how they are fit into the setting. Um, like Torg with its possibility points, mm-hmm. they do, like, fit into the setting. So a glitch is like, you know, it's like, what if this is a simulation? Yeah. The whole city the of whole, Psy might not be fucking you know, real. The this whole is black a, cat in yeah, the, it's Matrix, the Matrix. Right? It's the deja vu effect. It's, it's seeing the Matrix for a second mm-hmm. and just kind of like breaking through it to guarantee a result. Mm-hmm. Or to, you know, to tweak the results at least. Right. So, so cool. Yeah. Basic mechanics. Pretty kick-ass. Um, pretty simple. Very player-facing. Um, and very, you know, very light on the Game Master to run. We'll talk about other ways it's not light on the Game Master later on. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's move on to the unique selling points. Uh, first one, and like, this is probably, well, this is probably going to be a unique selling point of every game, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to have an original <laughs> setting and great flavor, right? Otherwise... It would just be basic D&D. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, we might review GURPS at some point and be like, well, the unique selling point is it doesn't have, have a, setting. a setting. It's for whatever, sure. you know, generic fantasy or whatever. Sure, 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 sure. But anyways. But uh, this one fucking does, and boy does a, it. has a great, great setting, great flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the way the, the book is written. And so this one is just one book, yeah. right? It's got all the Game Master, all the player stuff in one little neat little book. Yep. Whereas, like, you know, Forbidden Lands had several books. Uh, you know, D&D has a gajillion that they charge a gajillion dollars for each, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But this one's much more like, uh, you would say, maybe like an afterlife where it's all very condensed and compact. We did. And... They put everything in this one thing. So when you open the book, I guess we're spilling into the other. Or should well, we? Do, sure. do we want no, no, to? No. So... The, you do, you do. Okay. Another USP is the Stockholm Cartel who uh, produces Morkborg and Cyborg and some other products. They're, um, uh, I, I don't know if they're like a distributor or publisher or whatever. Um, one of their USPs for all their products is this just like insane, chaotic, really eye-grabbing visual design. It's a, it's a mixture of, you know, classic art text art, art with the, like, fonts and stuff, and, like, uh, photo bashing. Mm-hmm. All kinds of wacky colors. And at some point is a little bit difficult to read. It's not, you know, it's not making itself so easy, but then you realize it's like a children's book with how much words are on the page. So it's very easy to just, like, page through it. And it might take a second to, like, understand the flow of a page, but then mm-hmm. you realize, oh, this is talking about one area of the city. Great. It's a single paragraph per page you got it um but like each each page each little section is just seeped in so much flavor mm -hmm. and like visual bombardment sometimes yeah and you you read through this thing you're like oh look at this crazy you know blueprint of a gothic mansion with cannons on it and weird cyber geisha geisha Mm -hmm. on the cover I don't know. Right. It's, it's like, like access denied. Yeah. It's so cool to look through this thing and you're going to be feeling, you're going to be feeling so cyberpunk mm-hmm. and like so ready to play a character, so ready to run an adventure in this setting. Cause it just like, it, it's, it's like someone's imagination of cyberpunk, the genre just like spilled all over it mm-hmm. and you want to get right up in there. Um, and then, yeah, so, and that's blended with the setting. The text is actually a fully realized setting. There are like 12 areas to the city. All of them are distinct. And there's a bunch of other, you know, specific flavor about things you add to missions. And there is a full, you know, several pages about different enemies and stuff. So Mm. it's got everything you need in one. The flavor is there and it's, it's very inviting. Including uh, lots of interesting, uh, interesting like tables to roll on. So like, 
you know, you can roll for a class. Yep. You can roll for equipment. You can roll, uh, like, you know, when you kill some people, you can rummage for pocket lit, and there's yes. a whole table there for, you know, what do they have in their pockets. That is a really cool... That's a really cool little mechanic where just, like, you know, you kill a bad guy in Skyrim or Fallout, and, like, they're going to have something. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not going to be much, but, like, oh, they might have thing. There's a neat little table right in the beginning of the book. five gold in a dire wolf? Yeah. (laughs) But it might be there. You don't know. And why? Another real quick on the graphic design and layout. It might look when you, like, if you, you know, go to your game store and you pick it up and you thumb through it and you're like, fuck, I don't know how to read this. (laughs) This, uh, who designed this? Right? But the inside cover, front and back, has everything you need to run the game. Which is really, really cool. You don't have to, like, go to the little, you know, weapons page to figure out how much damage something does or whatever. You don't have to read the abilities in the character creation section. They are in the back cover. And in the front cover is easy little, like, random generation things for pocket lint, for weather, um, for some other kooky stuff. Uh, it makes use of random generation in a similar way to the Forbidden Lands. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't know, it's all just like a little more fast-paced. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's a great segue. Um, so, oh, yeah, that's, uh, that is, that's Morkborg. You got the basic mechanics, you got mm-hmm. its unique selling points. But now, let's hear what we have to say about it. Because mm-hmm. that's the most important thing, right? Guys, I mean, you're here. Am I right? (laughs) There are other people who've reviewed this book. Also, people on YouTube, so you could actually look at the pictures. Yeah. But, um, you know, if you like our show, you like what we have to say. We're here. (laughs) And if you remember uh, the Forbidden Lands one, my first thing was that the Forbidden Lands is fucking slow. And I felt that way strongly as a player that there was a lot of time where I wasn't playing because Enzo had to consult the book. To figure out what is happening in this situation. Because the random generation in that system is so pervasive that you like you're always consulting the tables mm-hmm. to, you know, find out what's going on. Uh, and also with Forbidden Lands, it was like, you know, a hex crawler. So it's like, okay, you travel mm-hmm. to a new hex, which means you have to do these three rolls again. Right. Or the building a dice pool for every action. You know, like oh, going one, through each two, thing. Three, this is one, for my. Two. Oh, I forgot. I need two for my weapon. And yeah. Um, and it sounds like I'm bashing on Forbidden Lands. It wasn't my favorite to play, but it was a really cool game. It was just really slow. Cyborg is fucking fast. Cyborg Hella is. fast. You know. And hopefully, y'all listened to the first episode where we played. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that one, we didn't really get. Like, you know, we spent a long time. With the intro. I wanted like, everybody to do a lot of role, role playing. playing right? But it was not hard for me to, you know, how slow does a six character fight go in D&D? It can go yeah, a like, lot oh slower. It can go a lot slower than what we did. Um, and I, I pulled that in at the end of the episode in like 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I think it was really fun. It was really fun for me to run anyway. Yeah. I love the design philosophy of players always playing. It took me a little bit to, like, remember that, like, no, I just, I shouldn't be rolling for any of this. This should all be them. But you do group initiative, so it's player's turn. They can go in any order. I don't care. They just say, I want to do this. Or maybe you have an idea. <laughs> I have an idea of something that yeah, are doing. You know, I want to set to you, you know, volleyball style. You can just do that. And absolutely fine. And then when it's my turn, Game Master turn, to run the bad guys, I say, this guy shoots you, this guy shoots you, this guy does this. Uh, Give me your rolls to avoid getting shot, okay? We resolve damage if it happens. It's players' turns again, and that's literally how fast it goes. Mm. Um, And then, you know, for the role-playing stuff, it slows down to whatever pace your group likes to role-play at. But I think that's really cool because it means that you know, when the combat happens and you're like, oh, we're getting towards the end of the night or whatever, um, there's no danger of like, oh, this might take another three hours. Yeah. We got to pause here. We got to pause in the middle of a fight and that's devastating. That can be crippling mm-hmm. to a group's scheduling. Right. You know. So 
one of our things we talked about the Forbidden Lands is it was not a hack and slash. Cyborg is for sure a hack and slash. Yeah. Or there's, a run and gun. Yeah, or you a know, run and gun. But there's swords, there's melee weapons too and shit. Yeah, so so out of bat. Yeah. And he um, was not very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, but that was, was fun. funny. That was still good. Um but yeah, so there's not a lot of like travel mechanics, like, you know, there's no hex, there's no like real map or like distances. Mm-hmm. Um I mean shit, like stuff doesn't even have a range. No. Nope. Right? Like you can you can move and you can attack. There is a clear description in the mm. in the combat section that um, you know if you can like see someone, you can probably shoot them, especially if you're indoors. You know, mm. so don't worry about range. And everyone's movement action is enough to like get them across a room. the room, yeah. right, or the alley, or the street, or wherever. Alley, you know? Yeah, you're not always inside, right. but because and I think that lends itself very well for a game like this, where you know you're in a mega city, mm-hmm. right? There's always going to be a wall or a building in your way. It's not like the Forbidden Lands or a fantasy setting where you're like you're out in the wilderness and like you're yeah. on top of the hill and you can see for miles mm-hmm. right because there's going to be a fucking skyscraper or a, a trash yeah or something there's right? never going to be more than like a hundred yards of Distance. sight line yeah so you know everything is everything is very close so it's kind it lends of itself very and, well for that simple you know it's indoors mm-hmm. um, it, it might as well be indoors yeah as far as uh measuring the range of weapons or mm-hmm. character movement yeah so and then, of course, the um, catch-your-breath mechanic. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's not like you do a combat and then you have to evaluate, well, do we have to rest slash mm-hmm. go back to town? No, you get your breath, you get some health back, and then you're ready to kick ass again. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the like you're probably not going to have to go back to base and long rest. You're probably going to be ready for the next thing. So you could do four or five combats in a session mm. pretty easily. Uh, and a lot of other games, because combat is where things tend to really slow down, a lot of other games you really couldn't do that. Right. So, like in Forbidden Lands, we talked about how the a large combat probably is going to be pretty hard and time-consuming in the Forbidden Lands. Mm-hmm. Not so in Cyborg. Because mm-hmm. it tells you to do group initiative, and as a game master, you don't do everybody's like long actions. You just... You say, roll to dodge the attacks that are incoming, and now it's your turn again. Players always be playing. Mm-hmm. That's, I love that design. And, you know, like, the, the health points are a very simple system, and, like, I mean, I think my character, uh, Kai, had six, which was pretty beefy, because, mm-hmm. like, Enzo's, I think, only had four, right? Um, I think so. And he spent some money on better armor, mm-hmm. but, yes... So, right. so, yeah, like, you can be kind of a wimp. You just need to survive the fight. Right. Because you're going to get some of that back. Mm. Maybe all of it. Which, and I don't know how that translates to the enemies because I didn't run it, but I'm assuming they have similar health pools, right? You yes. Uh, enemies have similar health pools where, like, you know, a big one, well, the biggest one, we can just, we can pull it up right now. Pull it up. You guys were fighting... Um, the big Typical like... Gangoon slash Corporate Trooper, mm-hmm. which is 6 HP. So easily yeah. killable in one shot, mm-hmm. might survive a couple shots. Um, where's the bad guys? Yeah, here we go. Um, right, but then that big and they had and they had no armor. Mm-hmm. Then the last big fucker in the with the cannon in her chest. Yeah, really showing us what a woman with a cannon in her chest <laughs> can, can do. do. So then the last one is like a combat mech, like a fucking armored core mech warrior thing. And the point of this is that you're not supposed to fight it because it says, you know, HP 50, nigh indestructible, its armor is negative D10 to all incoming damage. So 50 HP, and it's going to negate almost mm-hmm. every shot right. coming. Yeah, you know, that's the thing you run away from. That's right. the big giant that's robot why it's that's there. indestructible. But then, so there's like, a, you know, a scary, the Skulker is like a, a Terminator type character. It has um, 14 HP. And negative D4 to all metal incoming damage. So if you hit it with cyber attacks or magic or whatever. Or an electric bat. Yeah. Then the damage is unimpeded, but bullets are reduced by a D4. So that'd be a good, like, little mini-boss character. But even low-level characters can 
take it. And there is no level also yeah. in this game. Um, there's there's a very just kind of like throwaway progression system where the game master can give you, you're like, it's enough time. Uh, you can add a point to one of your mm-hmm. attributes if you want to. Um, we, I don't know where it fit in because we didn't really put it on our sheet. But uh, so one thing I thought was really cool, um, I guess probably it should have gone with the setting or base mechanics, but uh, every character starts with a debt. Right? Oh, which is, yes, yes, yes. Which is, like, why they are an adventurer. It solves the problem of, like, uh, why are you here in the first place? Yeah. It says, like, why, how did you meet? Why, why are, are you, you doing mercenary work? Mm-hmm. Well, because you got a big-ass debt that ain't going to be paid off by working at the noodle shop. Mm-hmm. So you got to look for some scores. And that's what these missions are all mm-hmm. about. They're like, someone comes to you and they offer you a score mm-hmm. and it doesn't in exchange matter that for some dirty corpo- work. Corpo shitbag, mm-hmm. they're paying, mm-hmm. so you doing. They paying, you doing. Hey, hey. There's also a funny mechanic. Uh, if you randomly roll up your character, whether you do classes or build your own, um, when you roll for how much you owe and who you owe it to, mm-hmm. at the end there is a uh, like roll a d6 to see how badly they want their money back. And all of them say they want it back fucking now. You don't like you don't have time to fuck around on this. But it's like roll a d6. They want it back bad. Yeah. <laughs> so there's yeah, there's also a lot there's some self-aware mm. humor built into this system as well. <laughs> but uh yeah, the um before we, we were talking about uh or just the simplicity, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, five yeah. basic stats, there's no skills or talents. Uh, you can have your special powers, of course, mm-hmm. but like it's not, um, it's not wasting a lot of time being like, oh, uh, you know, you can do this very specific thing, and then the game master has to come up with like a very specific situation for you to use that. Yeah. Um, There's no tedium of like, well, it has to do with an animal, but I don't really think it counts as animal handling. Game master, you know, mm-hmm. how would you rule it type of thing. There's five stats, and they're all a little vague. Mm. So, you know, the game master's just like, I think this, of the five words, I think this sounds best. Roll me one of these. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about the random mission generator? Uh, well, I think we should go up first, because we skipped spells. You want to talk about oh, that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, we were just talking about the special we, powers. We were talking about them a little bit, but there is there is so some cool design the, to it. Yeah, it's... Um, you know, one of the things that we think is cool and we have, you know, put into Afterlife as like an optional rule and uh, we like the stuff in D&D that does this is the the negative um, chance or the chance of a negative thing happening when you use these spells. Uh, Cyborg says that there's always a negative thing. Mm-hmm. So each of those special powers that we talked about, um, apps, nanopowers, and cybertech, they all come with a negative. Yep. Um, for apps and cybertech, it's like a backlash. Mm-hmm. So there's always a chance that... There's a technological something, like, you know, you might catch fire. You might mm-hmm. take some damage from, a, you know, uh, some a, a, a mist-wired... Your cyber arm is, you know, badly wired. Oh, no. And you try and use it, something bad can happen to you. Mm-hmm. Or, and then, like, so the nanopowers always come with a uh, what's called an infestation. Um so I, I like to think of it as um, if you've ever seen Darker Than Black, the, the anime, or read the manga or whatever, um, like contractors have these special powers, but they always have this like tick, right? You know, so like, oh, I can fly, but I also have to break my fingers every time I fly. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Enzo's mm-hmm. was he can make a cloud of darkness, but... He really needs to eat raw meat or he, like, loses control yeah. and becomes feral. And that was... His character design began that way. He got a... Um, uh, he got a nanopower and it came with an infestation. A thing that just, like, uh, richly affected his role-playing because he had to go out of his way to satisfy this, it, like, yeah. dark hunger that mm-hmm. he has. Um, pretty cool, I think. Um it, it gives you a lot of freedom. You look at all this, you look at all the like tech abilities and all the spells that you can have and you're like, great. They come with a payoff and that payoff 
it it's narrative in a really cool way. Almost always. Like a couple episodes ago, we were talking about narrative magic progression mm -hmm. and how, you know, like, yeah. Okay, so you level up, you get spells out of a spell book. But, like, what actually does your character do? Right, yeah. That, do they, that represents that. Do they sit down and study or do yeah. they find, like, an ancient artifact or whatever? Something, some sort of payoff is built into, uh, well, like, Narr some yeah. narrative is built into the power that you have and why you have it, which comes along with a downside, which is also narrative and rich in role playing opportunity. Yeah, and I think that's a great thing that Cyborg does. Um, is they make it a little less optional and more mandatory, right? Mm -hmm. um, than like the other examples that I said, like you know, Afterlife is it's just optional, or you know, D and D, the magical mishaps. Only in very rare specific circumstances does that table come into play. Yeah. Whereas in Cyborg, it's all the time. It's there. Yeah. It's it's, it's built around. into it's built into the characters who have access to this stuff. And I think that's I think that's good design. It also, I think, made for rich role playing. So that was a that was a cool aspect of this. Uh, okay. Next thing, the random mission generator. Now, this is where we're going to talk about how much this game asks of the Game Master. Um, previously, we talked about how much we liked how quickly it runs mm -hmm. and how players always be playing, especially in combat. Um, there is a cool series of tables that build a mission, and the structure is always so-and-so approaches you offering something, reward of some sort, and it could be, like, to clear your debt or just, like, a certain amount of dice worth of credits or something else. There's some purely narrative ones. Someone comes to you, they're offering it, they're working on behalf of someone, that's always part of it. Um, and then there's a bunch of action verbs like assassinate, infiltrate, <laughs> observe, uh, steal, you know. Steal, object, or character. And then... Right, so it's kind of like a Mad Lib. Yeah, it's kind of like a Mad Lib where, you know, do this, someone comes to you offering such and such in order for you to verb something at place. And then there's some, like, modifiers about what makes the place, mm -hmm. you know, interesting or what other thing you might find there. Right. Don't you worry about blank express. express. Let me, me worry, worry about, about blank. blank. <laughs> <laughs> Mumble mouth. Mm. That was going to be funny. But, um, so, let me let me pull one up real quick and I'll read it to you. Because I rolled several of these. Oh, and then, one of yours? Yeah. Because okay. I rolled several of these because I was like, well, I don't know. I want to just like do the random stuff that the thing is asking. Right. See, pick your favorite. Right. I, I love doing that. Yeah. So, the players are contacted by a masked stranger acting on their own behalf who promises 3D10,000 credits Ooh. if they infiltrate a cult. The target can be found in an abandoned construction zone somewhere in Hill's Edges. That's one of the city areas. It's sort of like... Is that the fancy one? It's near the fancy one. It's like fancy a... Fancy Middle a, class. Yeah, it's like a gentrifying <laughs> fancy neighborhood. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, protected by drunken low-rate security ops. Complication? A team of killer sec ops will attempt to take out the party after the job. Ooh. Distinctive feature of the place. Traces of a previous gunfight and murders when you get there. Hidden feature, there's a conspiracy board explaining the last miserable headline on the on all the vid tubes and stuff. Additional danger, mold in the walls releases vision obscuring spores when struck by gunfire. <laughs> Damn. So, right, all of those are really cool, really vague, evocative, mm. like exciting things that you might want to... You could do a lot with that. Yeah, you could do a lot with that. But that's all it tells you. I have to make this stuff up. There is a cult generator. It says infiltrate a cult. Mm -hmm. There is a cult generator page, but all that tells you is the name and like what they worship. Right, which can be very helpful. It right? can be very you helpful. But as far as flowing. as far as like you know NPCs holding like your hands, how they're going to behave, yeah. that uh -huh. stuff. There's you know if you actually read the whole entry in the monster manual for like cultist, it tells you a lot, and it tells you um, like how they're going to behave in a mm -hmm. fight type mm -hmm. of stuff. Or, like, there's a map of, like, the the cave mm -hmm. headquarters or whatever, right? This game does not give you any of that. So, on the prep side, 
you either have to do a lot more prep than the game is going to do for you or be comfortable kind of shooting from the hip the whole time. Now, that second one is how I prefer to run stuff. So it worked out pretty great for me. I had a really good time just being like, Enzo wants to find something, and so I have to make up Mm -hmm. what it is that he finds. I like that. Other game masters might not. This game asks a lot of the game master. You have to come up with all this stuff. You have to... It'll give you a skeleton for a session, for a mission, whatever. Mm. You have to put everything on it. And if you're not prepared for that or you're not comfortable or confident, this game... Could be challenging. Get a little intimidating because mm-hmm. you look at it and you're like, you're, you're paging Help. through this complicated, you know, kind of visually aggressive book and it doesn't actually tell you, you know, how to run it. Eh. I don't think that's a point for or against. It worked for me. I think it worked for my players in the sessions that I ran, but um, I don't know. It's I guess it's not really for super new game masters, and it's also not for like the faint of heart game master. Because <laughs> um, it's going to force you to flex your your improv chops, or to do a significant amount of writing and prep beforehand. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, to a certain, I didn't game master this one. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that is, that is always true, right? It just depends on the degree of that. Yes. Right? That is um, a, that's a truism for TTRPGs. Right? Um, I'm sure there's plenty of, like, third-party modules for, for Cyborg. Um, I don't know. I didn't check, but Morkborg um, has thousands, mm-hmm. so I'm sure Cyborg has a bunch too. Right. Um, so if you need a little help, you know that's what the internet is for. Mm. Um, but of course, you know if you have the a story you're looking to tell, then I think you know it sounds like Cyborg will help you get there. It will give you the skeleton for your meat. It might be really fucking great for that. If you have an idea for a sort of dystopian or cyberpunk adventure or a bigger campaign but if you have just like specifically a mission or an idea and you're like i you know i already know the bones of this i don't have a system for it this could be perfect for you Hmm. i think you already have the meat for it you need the bones would have been more apt okay yeah because you were talking about skeleton yeah see Mm -hmm. (laughs) the skeleton is the game system right yeah you've got a pile of meat you've got this like (laughs) mission that you want to play uh uh-huh you're like, I want my players to do this, or I have this idea for a story, mm-hmm. you know. I have a cutting commentary on capitalism. Yeah, I've got the next, you know, cyberpunk campaign, but, I don't know, maybe, you're, yeah, you're just not sure how to stand like, it yeah, up. Yeah, how do I make mechanics for this it? This is oh, the bones, got mechanics because right here the, mechanics are, the mechanics are pretty light, and they're very simple to, to you know, grok in the first you know, 20 minutes of looking through the book. If you just, like, read through the front and back cover, you understand how the game works. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, first, uh, well, first. uh, Last thing, uh, favorite and least favorite thing about it. (sighs) Okay, I got two favorites. That's not how you're supposed to come up with a least favorite. I know. Okay, so my least favorite. Tell me your least favorite, and maybe that'll give me give me an idea of what to. Uh, my least favorite. Okay, feature. I, wait, I got mine. You got yours. Okay, yep. Okay. Well, my least favorite feature is um, the the lack of progression system. There's you know a weak one mm-hmm. that's just like oh you know throw your character some attribute points, um, but. You know, I would have liked to see something a little more heavy, but I get why it's not there, right? Because you're always supposed to be this downtrodden, like, you know, punk. So, like, you can't really raise yourself up and build yourself a stronghold and, like, move into the rich neighborhood. Yeah, it doesn't have... So, I'll just read the whole thing because it's very short. The Game Master decides when a character should improve. It can be after completing a mission or two, fulfilling set targets, or getting enough credits. Either way... Uh, roll D- roll 60-10. If the result is equal to or greater than your current maximum HP, increase your HP by D6. 
So there's a chance you don't even get it. Mm. Uh, in the lining of the jacket, you find, roll a d6, 0 to 3, nothing. So there's half a chance you get nothing anyway. The progression system is stingy. Mm. Uh, 4, 3d6 times 10 on an increasable cred chip. So you could end up with Just a decent chunk money. of money. 5, a forgotten mag and a random booster mod. So a spare mag for your gun that you didn't have before. And a booster mod, which is in the in the table of mm. loot. Um, six, a faintly glowing pebble that has a 20% chance of infecting you with a nano power. Let's just find a weird thing. Other is ability changes. Roll d6 against every ability. Results equal to or greater than the ability, raise it by one. Uh, abilities that are in the negative will always change for the better, but there's a chance they can go down, too. Oh. So... And to be clear, I really like that. It's just I like everything about it more. So that's my least favorite thing. I still like that. But, like, if we were going to be running, like, a whole campaign, like, you know, 20-session campaign, I think that could get a little annoying. Okay. But that's my least favorite. All my right. favorite thing. Yeah. Let go, me finish. Go ahead. Go ahead. My favorite thing is uh, the the flavor of the character. So in addition, we didn't talk about this because it's not a basic mechanic. Mm. It's, you know, an optional flavor. Um, so in addition to oh, like a class, that abilities, is a cool ass page, glitches, uh, you yes. know, nano powers, whatever you also like, you get, you know, an appearance and a style. Yeah. Um, and like a quirk and, uh, where is that page? Come on, give it, give it, give it, give it. Cause there was one other thing I forgot. Um. Uh, was that it? Yeah. Once an obsession. Yeah. Right. So like you and you know this is all just flavor, mm -hmm. right? So Wants, quirks, mm, style. Right. So if you listened to uh, our playthrough, um, it might not have come super up in the first episode, but stay tuned on the bonus episodes. Mm -hmm. Um. So, like, my character, Kai, their quirk was they were a constant tagger of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, like, Kai was always drawing things on, like, tables and walls and whatever. Um, and their current obsession was style swapping. So, like, I'd get some new drip. Yep. New hat, new I shirt. Got. I don't want to look this way anymore. Right? I'm taking like, that I'm guy's style. I'm going for this style. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, and then my once, um, it didn't come up, and I'm not going to say it because in case we pick it back up, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's secret. But anyways, that's my favorite bit is the flavor that it gives your character. Um, well, the flavor that it helps you give your character, right? Because you can always do those things. Yeah. Right? You can always do those things in whatever game you're playing. But this one has, like, a specific table for it, and it's short, and it's sweet, and it's great. Okay. I've, I've figured out what my least favorite thing, and it's actually directly tied to what I said was part of my favorite. Uh -huh. I'll say my favorite thing first. Okay. My favorite thing is the just blanket difficulty 12 for everything and player-facing gameplay design. I, I think that is a really just cleverly done way to make a game more fun to make it so players always feel like they're doing something and to give you, the game master, just total control over the pacing. You want to move fast through action sequences. You want to, you know, slow down and let it breathe during role playing, during, you know, downtime, whatever. And difficulty, tw or difficulty 12 on everything means that encounter balancing and, you know, designing encounters and adventures and enemies whatever it's uh it's not complicated so it's more fun you don't you don't have to get into any sort of minutiae you just like you're coming up with an idea it's always going to be this difficult to hit them so just how much damage do they do how much health do they do and you're focused on how do you play them how do you want them to behave how do you you know what flavor are you mm. giving them now, the armor is a really cool mechanic. Now, I like it because instead of modifying the rolls in any way, I talked about everything is difficulty 12 always. 
armor reduces incoming damage. So if you get hit, your armor rating is a dice that you roll against the incoming damage dice. And you can completely neutralize a hit. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, you did get hit. Your armor, your armor sucked it. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, it makes the action fast and it enforces the idea that, um, you know, you catch your breath in between fights. And as long as you didn't outright die, you're good to go to the next one. Now, the thing that I don't like and the thing that I wish this game had more of is, uh, I guess, like flavor and choice in your gear. Because your armor has a little bit of description, but mostly it's just reduced to the tier. How much damage does it reduce? And weapons actually behave kind of the same way. Like, you had a pair of SMGs for your character. Um, And that is the weapon. The weapon is a pair of SMGs. Very stylish, Mm. very flavorful. But something that, you know, I've always geeked out about is, like, weapon loot. You don't get to, like, you know, choose from multiple different kinds of assault rifles and, you know, put the optic on it that you want or, like, change it to behave in a real specific way. That's that's something you get to do in a lot of video games, and I think that's cool, and I kind of wish it was easier to do in role-playing games, but because, because of how basic these mechanics are, there's not really room to get weird with it. Yeah, to get really, really specific with your weapons and your gear and your, you know. So, I I just... It's a thing I would like from Cyborg, but it's not something I'm going to try and insert into Cyborg if we keep playing Cyborg because I understand that these mechanics don't really have room for that. I just... I kind of wish it was there because, you know, when you're playing Cyborg 77, it's nice to get, like, Uh, the genre bullshit Mm. Um, when you're playing Cyberpunk 77 it's a video game and you can get like a high level assault rifle you know uh, or like a rare or whatever I don't understand how that shit is specifically delineated but you can get one that's better than what you already have in a certain way plays in a way that you like and then you can put mods on it there is a cool mod feature that we didn't talk about in combat you used it Oh, you yeah, can, armor. Um, or ammo, I mean. Yeah, where you can, like, you know, uh, you can be using, you know, fragmentation ammo or cryo ammo. Mm-hmm. And that shit's fucking cool. And that is basically what I'm talking about. I just wish this game had maybe a more little bit it. more of that. Because yeah. it's a real easy function to, um, you don't need to use it at all. It's a really easy function to play without or to forget you have access to. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, yeah, if I had a least favorite, it would be that. I would like more gear minutia, because gear is fun. Mm. Um, I remember being a little kid and being most attracted to the monster manual for D&D, but also in the player handbook, the, like, lists of weapons, and especially, like, the full-page spread of, like, drawings of different swords and, you know, weapons on a rack type of stuff. That, That always tickled me and got me... I don't know. Got my imagination flowing about like, well, if I had this, you're a gear nut type of sword. Yeah, gear is cool. Um, and this game doesn't really support a robust. Yeah, it doesn't have a robust gear system. Mm. There is a lot of little items in here, but they're all limited to the five stats and the basic difficulty twelve difficulty system. Um, yeah. Cool. Well. You run through the recap? Yes. Um, so we reviewed Cyborg. Uh, we gave you a little setting primer. Hopefully you followed it. Um, it's a cyberpunk mm-hmm. role-playing game, right? You know, capitalism sucks. Mm-hmm. And you're um, a punk. And you're a fucking punk. You're a fucking punk with uh, some basic five abilities uh, with some, you know, add-ons, right? You know, you got your special powers. Um and you know everything's uh, a d20 when you try an action and base difficulty of 12 um really simple um you know you catch your breath after every combat so like you can just get right back into the next one mm-hmm. right uh, it's got great flavor to it it looks amazing um it looked it looks hectic it looks punk mm-hmm. right 
Um, it looks like you're not going to know how to. Yeah. <laughs> like you just flip through it on. You pick it up off a shelf and you page through it. And you're like, I don't understand this. I don't know how anyone could run. I'm going to need to make my own handwritten tables. Yeah. It's actually. It's actually very soft and very uh, forgiving and very welcoming, mm. as long as you understand the basics of how to right. run a role and playing game. It's in got the first place. it's got all its tables um, on the inside and uh, backside cut whatever. Mm-hmm. On the covers, they're all written yeah. there in plain English. You don't have to go through and be visually assaulted. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's also very cool to be uh, visually assaulted by this book. Um, yeah, so we talked about that, um, and then we just talked about how it plays fast, um, it's like a hack and slash or a running gun, um, large combats are easy because of group initiative, and then, like, the player's role to avoid being attacked, which is very, uh, interesting and player-focused, um, the spells, the special powers, they always have a negative attached to them, so you're not getting anything for free, which is dope, um... It's got a, you know, a random mission generator that's basically a Mad Lib that's like, insert, you know, person is hire, or, you know, working on the behalf of this person to hire you to do this thing, and it's going to get weird. Mm-hmm. Um, There's also other random stuff mm-hmm. for cults and, you know, shit like that. Yeah. And then we talked about our favorite stuff. And our favorite and cool stuff about it. And that is uh, that is cyborg. Cool as shit. I had a blast, and I had a good time. I would definitely, I would, I would definitely again. play some more. We get some other people, and we've got an afterlife thing running, and we also haven't been able to schedule large group stuff for a while. But that might be okay, you know. If you only have a couple people, cyborg is pretty easy to onboard, mm-hmm. and it's really easy to run a quick one shot and. If you've listened to our show before, you know we fucking love one-shots. We love a one-shot. So. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Two-Headed Game Master. Yep. As always, check us out on our website at 2HGM.com. We've got stuff there. We have links to our Twitter. Let's link. Links. Link. We got links, links, links. Link, link to our Patreon. The first link you'll see is a link to Afterlife on DriveThruRPG. Our first Available full length. now. Original RPG setting and game system. It's post-apocalyptic sci fantasy. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool. We worked hard on it. Um, what else do we got? Some other just like free downloadable bits and bobs sure. RPG stuff we've worked up over the over, over the, the years. Decades. And um, yeah, I so real quick recommendation. I guess we said um, we said we're not gonna like put this on a on a rating scale or anything, mm-hmm. but just in general as a piece of as just a book as an art as an art to like have on your one coffee art, table please this is a good one um there is a completely digital version and you know it it's all the same art but the book itself is really cool it's also really high quality it's got two little uh neon ribbons for you know placeholders if you want to easily you know mark a table that you need to keep coming back to in your adventure and it's just it's a high quality good ass looking piece of piece of book so check it out art yeah i think that'll about do it keep an eye out i guess for the um the upcoming bonus episodes we're going to be continuing the cyberpunk cyborg adventure that we just ran it didn't end we well we did end it but you know that's going to come out over the next couple weeks content and uh pay special close attention to our next mainline episode because it is the illustrious and ominous and long-awaited episode 69. 69. Nice, 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 nice. nice, nice. nice. Uh, And we got kind of a pretty cool special treat for y'all for that. It's something we have not done before. Uh, It was really fun to put together. No spoilies. Just uh, tune in. I think you're going to really like it. If you like us and our show, you're going to have a good time. Well, now they're not going to listen to it. (laughs) Yep, that also might have been a damning, a damning recommendation that locked us out. Uh, All right, um, thanks to the Burning Saviors mm -hmm. for the use of their song, Ponto's Finest, as the intro and outro to our show. 
and we will see you next time. See you next time. Unless this is all a simulation.